Coming up, we have Mark Beneke here to break down Phil Mickelson's career capper on Sunday. His sixth major win at the age of 50, the oldest major winner ever. We talk about what this means to his legacy. We talk about Brooks being Brooks. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen, does anybody anybody really care about what he's doing? Uh, we go into JT, Rory, Fowler, and then we finally talk about the Ryder Cup. Get our thoughts on that. No picks on the Charles Schwab on this podcast. Catch me on uh, a different podcast uh, for picks on next week's tournament. Continue to fade me if you'd like. I would understand. So here we go. Here's Mark and I on the PGA. Welcome to your best bets. A historic Monday that we're recording on uh, tonight. Uh, Mark Beneke is here. Mark, how did you celebrate Phil Mickelson's sixth major win today? I celebrated by going to the zoo with my wife and two-year-old son. Uh, but as, as I was walking, uh, I was I was walking the zoo. It was the only the only thing on my mind. It was quite the day yesterday, and. You know, we we traded text messages last night, and uh, I'm eager eager to be on with you tonight, and looking forward to getting started. I'll tell you what I did, Mark. I I watched Bryson DeChambeau's 28 minute YouTube video as part of my celebration, um, and then halfway through, I'm like, "What am I doing? What you know? This is this is not this is just not good." But then I felt invested, and I had to watch the rest. Um, have you been watching any of Bryson's videos? No, I I haven't. I haven't really uh, kept up with them. Uh, if if it's anything like I would imagine it being, eh, I'm gonna pass. What what's the what's the? I, I feel like I've missed this one. What's the? Uh, what what are they doing? Is he getting his ball speed to like 250 now or what? Uh, I think he got to 209 in this one. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of swing speed stuff. A lot of him shirtless cooking and eating. <laughs> um, a lot of him with like his buddies. He's got a huge entourage of dudes, and but they're just they just all seem like they're just really eager to make him laugh and make him happy. It's it's kind of an odd dynamic, but. Uh, you know, there I was like a sucker just just watching it, um, and uh, uh, yeah. So Bryson always churning out the content, but of course we're here tonight to talk about Phil Mickelson. Uh, I I haven't been this surprised by a PGA Tour, I guess, major, and I, I guess maybe since two thousand nine with uh, Tom Watson almost winning the the Open that year. Um, I can't remember a, a Saturday and Sunday where I was as shocked and waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it never did. Um, were you kind of were you anxiously watching, thinking this this is going to end badly and for Mickelson, or was there a point where you're like, okay, he's going to get this done? Yeah, no, I think uh, I was definitely having those thoughts, especially Saturday night. I mean, I think that's where the anticipation really started to build for me. Um, you know, you had mentioned the, the parallels to Tom Watson in, in 2009. And, you know, I, I didn't really, uh, I mean, of course he's the oldest, oldest major champion ever at 
you know, 50 years and in 11 months or whatever it may be. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have the same feeling of the, uh, I didn't have the same feeling as I did in, in 09 with Tom Watson. I thought for me, you know, it was more of a, um, obviously we're going to, we're going to talk about some parallels to the, to the masters, you know, when tiger against all odds did what he did, but yeah, I was, I was waiting. And especially as I put the coverage on, you know, yesterday, uh, watching, watching the back nine, you know, intently and, and catching pieces of the front nine. I was, I was waiting for it to all come unraveled, you know? And, and I think as a, as a competitor, obviously you're, you're a good player and, you know, put yourself in Phil's shoes, of course, as the player, you know, you're in good form, but at the same time, it felt like if there ever was going to be one to blow it, like it just seemed likely that it was going to happen. And and that's not a fair, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's a fair, uh, to, you know, conclusion to jump to, but it is Phil Mickelson and we've watched him over the years, you know, as great as he is, you know, he sort of has a knack for doing the unexpected. And a lot of times that's unexpectedly blowing a tournament, but yeah, I was, I was nervous. Uh, so yeah, no, no secret. He was, uh, 200 to one to win this week. And actually in some books, you could have got him at 250 to one. Um, if any of our listeners out there had any sort of, uh, cash on Mickelson props, um, that's an amazing play. Uh, I, I couldn't have been, you know, more wrong, even going into Saturday. I'm like, this is, this is going to end today. I, I felt a Saturday 76 coming on. I put a sizable live bet on Brooks because it's Brooks Kepka in a major. You just, you just do it. And um, I got to say Mickelson just, he hit the hell out of the ball, uh, especially on Saturday. The front nine on Saturday was such a, um, and we mentioned Spieth earlier in the year at Phoenix. It was such just like a, a high to watch. And that's what it was like on the front nine on Saturday with Mickelson when he got out to that four or five shot lead. And he was just, I mean, he was hitting everything on a string. I, I haven't seen him hit the driver that well in years, especially in a major. Um, and especially with all the potential trouble at Kiowa. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but just the ball, the ball striking was on point. And when he was over the putts, I, I felt like he was going to make everything. And that was so much fun. And so then Sunday morning, I'm like, he is going to get this done. And then I flipped immediately after the first hole mark when it was a two-shot swing and Brooks took the lead by one. I'm like, okay, lights out. Brooks is going to do it. And then we had this crazy back and forth for the first five or six holes, uh, kind of culminating culminating in uh, Mickelson's hole out uh, from the bunker, I think on six, I believe. Five. Um, five. Okay. Yeah. Which was, by the way, I mean, it's just one of those moments where you're happy to have fans back because – it just gave, it gave you goosebumps. Um, that's going to be one of the shots that we'll see 10, 15 years down the road um, when we're, we're thinking about the PGA. So um, I don't know if you're like me, but Saturday was awesome. But, but the front nine Sunday was the positioning where you're like, okay, he's, he's in position to get this done when we're going to the 10th tee. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, that's what did make it so exciting Sunday, you know, for the, for the first, uh, what hour and a half, two hours of that. I mean, the back and forth, it felt more like a, uh, you know, kind of a feeling that you'd get watching a NASCAR race or a back and forth football game leads changing, uh, you know, with each, each and every possession, I think, you know, and that's what, that's what made it so tense coming down the stretch, especially because we, we saw the lead changes and, 
you know, I, I think, I think it was evident to me, Phil, and this is something I wanted to talk to you. I mean, there is no doubt though Phil Mickelson looked calm. I think he was a nervous wreck and, you know, the swing he makes, and we'll get into it later too, but you know, it started with the swing he made, uh, on 13. I don't know when he, when he hits the the second shot into the water. I don't know if you saw the abbreviated follow through. I mean, it was like he had the hands on the wheel at 10 and two and he was, he was trying to get that ball into dry land by any means necessary. So, um, you know, I, I, I think Phil was nervous, obviously at, um, you know, it was well-documented the, the mental training and how he, uh, sort of really committed to being focused, you know, and if, and he felt as if, Hey, if I stay focused and I can keep my attention for, for 18 holes, you know, I'm, I'm going to get this done. But it was, it was a very, very interesting, uh, mental, uh, battle, I think going on with Phil Mickelson. And, you know, one thing that Nick Faldo alluded to on the coverage, uh, yesterday on Sunday was how Phil has done doing everything so slowly. Uh, you know, he was walking slow and he was, you know, very, very analytical with, with his brother, Tim on the bag. Um, and I'm not so sure, you know, I would put it past Phil Mickelson that that was a little bit of gamesmanship. I mean, I think Brooks Kepka, you know, he, he hates analyzing things. He hates slow play. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think it was out of the realm of possibility that could have played a little bit into Phil's game plan. Um, I don't know if you, if you had that, do you think, do you think Phil would have purposefully, um, <laughs> you know, slow played him for lack of a better term? <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but that's that's a good thought. And you, you're right, Brooks plays to a certain rhythm. And I, I did think Mickelson had a different demeanor yesterday than I've seen him. There wasn't a lot of excitability, even the whole bunker shot, you know, a couple fist pumps. But I mean, we've we've seen a lot more emotion from Phil, for, you know, in in the prior years. Um, and coming down the stretch, I just thought he was really reserved. And, and, and I think it was a concentrated effort. And, and a couple of weeks ago on the pod, we, we were kind of joking about Phil not being focused. And, you know, I said, I don't, I don't get that. I'm not sure I still get it, but he's been talking about how he's been playing well, swinging well, but focus is an issue. Um, and he, he talked about that after the round, how he really tried to truly take it one shot at a time and not get ahead of himself. And he said that really helped his mindset this whole week, um, which is, it's, it's kind of interesting for a guy that's won so many golf tournaments and, you know, five majors before this week. And one of the 15 best players ever to kind of talk, talk about focus as an issue and, and really uh, change his mindset for this week. Um, I, I want to talk about legacy. Does this does this change anything for you on Mickelson? Or I mean, did I mean he didn't need this, but now that he has it, what does it what does it do for him? Anything? You know, I I was into a discussion last night during the trophy presentation with a few guys at the uh, at the club, and I think we were we were having this exact discussion. They said, okay, what does this do for for an all time ranking? And uh, it was his forty, I believe forty fifth win. Uh, which ties ties Walter Hagen um, for eighth most all time. Uh, you know, I think that coupled with the fact he's the oldest major champion ever, I, I think it does a lot for Phil's legacy. I think if, you know, if, if Phil's career, let's say, and, and he, he was very, um, you know, very candid when, when he said, you know, he said, I wasn't sure if I would win another golf tournament again. And, and he said this, I think he said he was, 
you know, it's likely uh, and very realistic that this will be the last tournament he ever wins. Um, So, no, I I think it I think it honestly did a lot to cement the legacy, because, look, if he if he ends with his open championship and and I know he was very proud of that. And what was it? Twenty thirteen when he dealed Stenson. Um, and then his last win, if I'm not mistaken, so then WGC Mexico, correct? Right, uh, right. In 18 or whatever. And, you know, I think, I think if he goes off into the sunset and wins, you know, every fourth start on the champions tour for the next five years, I don't think it does much for his legacy, but I think this submits, I mean, becomes the fourth player to win in four different decades, uh, sets yeah. the record for longest, uh, stretch between first and, and last victories. I mean, that's incredible. 30 years, right? 30 years. And, you know, watching, we, we, we started just, just a few minutes ago talking about uh, Bryson's videos, you know, and it's, uh, <laughs> you know, look, I mean, that's exciting. And yes, it's a content machine, but I don't see, and again, if we, if we revisit this in 30 years, you know, who's to say Bryson doesn't go on to have that career, but I think the longevity of these, these old school guys, look at that leaderboard and you'll see, you know, um, just good, consistent figures of golf for the last 10, 15, 20 years. Podrick Harrington works his way onto the leaderboard and, uh, you know, Shane Lowry and guys that, you know, no, no discount, you know, no disrespect to guys that have taken a more athletic approach and Phil, it's been well-documented his body transformation, et cetera. But I just think the longevity of it, I think he, he goes into that kind of Ironman category and who knows i mean if he can he said that since he started taking care of his body so well the the arthritis issue has sort of been put at bay and um i mean i i think i think this is a guy that if he can stay motivated and stay hungry i mean who's to say he can't continue winning but no i think it's a big legacy win for phil i think he goes from a little bit you know even, even though he's a great champion one of the top 20 players of all time you know i think he had that you know, lovable loser mentality. And I think, I think this goes a long way and, you know, cementing the fact that, Hey, this guy is a legit all-time great. I think much like Tiger's masters win in 19, you know, he didn't necessarily need it, but if that ends up being Tiger's, you know, last major, which now it seems likely that it's going to be the case. And maybe we could talk about Tiger a little bit more later. Um, but this is an awesome capper. If this is his last major for for Phil, it gets him into the club of six, which I think uh, you know ties him with Trevino and Faldo. Only twelve guys have won six or more. Um, and uh, you know, someday when you and I are in our sixties and our seventies, and we're having a conversation about some of the great moments in sports or great athletes in sports, and we're talking about you know the Tom Brady's and the Pat Mahomes and the Justin Fields of the world. Um, I was hoping you caught, caught the fields comment. I think it went right over your head. Um, I think we'll, no, I think we'll, <laughs> I think we'll mention. I think we'll mention this PGA though. Um, you know this this in a way. Uh, Tiger's Masters nineteen win and Phil's twenty one PGA win are are, are going to be to to a lot. You know, in a prior generation, they're eighty six Masters with Nicholas, and I think um, in a lot of ways, you know you know, that's what this, this win is so historic. It's so unlikely for one of the all-time greats. And it really puts a cap on an amazing career, you know, whether he wins again or not, I don't know. I would set the bar at, at PGA tour wins at 
a half a win over under. I'd probably take the over because his longevity now is, is like we talked about. That's one of his um, uh, defining, I guess, career characteristics is, you know, never, never really suffered, you know, a major injury. Um, you know, he dealt with the arthritis, but he's been able to play through it 30 years, of, you know, between wins. I mean, you know, you're in your mid thirties. I'm in my late thirties. I mean, that's, that's most of our life. He's been winning golf tournaments. That's unbelievable when you think about it. Um, and I'm not, I'm not a big Phil guy, you know, I'm a tiger guy, but I can, I can give respect when it's due. And I mean, this is, this is one of the all time great wins in golf. Um, I, you know, I have no problem saying that. So I don't know. I don't think he needed this, but it really put a, a capper on uh, an amazing career. Um, do we want to talk about the the comparisons to Tiger's 19 win? You know, what what where do you I guess what is more impressive to you and or is it just too close to call? Well, you know, to me, I think I think what Tiger's win, you know, I, I think I think Phil's win yesterday um did not lack any cool factor, if you will. I mean, it was it was awesome to watch. I didn't quite get the same uh emotional connection as I did with, with Tiger's win. And I think, I think again, it, while, while there are parallels between the two, I think, I think Tiger's was a little bit different, you know, not knowing if this guy would ever, uh, you know, af after his last ditch back surgery, you know, we weren't sure if he'd ever play again on the tour, let alone win. And then, okay, great. He wins a limited field tour championship. And, uh, but can he really compete? Um, so I, I just feel like Tiger had been through, uh, so much more and that's not to take away from Phil's, you know, Phil's, um, careers has had ups and downs and his own health issues and his wife's health, health issues. So, I mean, again, take nothing away from yesterday. Um, I don't quite put it on that same, uh, pedestal as I do Tiger's win in 19, but from a, uh, from a, uh, pure competitive standpoint, a guy that you know, sort of, um, you know, proves the fact that, Hey, you know, a passion for the game, if, if you still love to play and he wants to chase it and he wants to get better, you know, age is just a number to use the old cliche. I mean, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. It's to me though, it doesn't quite, uh, I, I think it's a close second behind 19 tiger, but it's not quite there. Yeah, I, I, we see eye to eye on this one, and I'm glad you brought up the uh, sort of the uh, emotional resonance. Uh, that's my ten dollar word for the night. Uh, that Tiger's 19 win provides because every Mark every couple months I'll pull I'll pull up the video of him putting out on 18 and the four minute video of him walking up to the clubhouse and and I you know what I'm 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 man enough to admit that my eyes water almost every time when he hugs this kid. And, you know, there's just, it's, it's unbelievable. It gives me all the feels. Um, and Mickelson's win yesterday, I, I guess that's a, that's a great point. I didn't really feel the same way. Um, I felt happy, excited, and, you know, kind of just astonished. Um, but I think Tiger overcame so much more, you know, whether some of it was self-inflicted or not, um, you know, obviously the injuries were, you know, to a point where it was so debilitating that he couldn't even uh, walk for a certain point. And, 
and you know, they went through the chipping yips and you know the constant swing changes and you know the activated glutes stuff and um i i just yeah i think tiger tiger had to overcome a lot more to get to get that victory but um doesn't take anything away think anything away from phil for sure um you know and i think and i think phil uh, to that point i think i think one of the best uh wins yesterday was for golf fans around the world because look i think i think phil winning yesterday gives tiger woods a reason to believe you know we still don't know the scope of his injuries and and again i i could care less i couldn't care less if, if the guy ever uh plays again i mean i hope he does but but after 19 i mean if he if he decides he's done done right. so be it but at the same time i think hey Tiger's got five years. I mean, he's got he's got five years to get to where Phil is at this point. Uh, and I think I think you know. I mean, uh, weird things. It it takes weird things and weird circumstances to motivate a guy like Tiger Woods. I could only imagine. And maybe yesterday was maybe yesterday sort of put put some uh, fire back into him. So who knows? Couple more uh, numbers on Mickelson's win. Um, you know, going into yesterday, he's ranked 115th in the world. That's the lowest ranked player to win a major since Sean McKeel in the 03 PGA. Um, uh, I think he's the first outside the top 50 to win a major since Keegan won the 2011 PGA. Um, I mean, that you could go down the line um, of, of uh, here's here's the one that is amazing to me, Mark. First time that he's led a field in strokes gained T to green on tour in more than seven years. I mean, that is amazing. Uh, I mean, because this guy hasn't been playing well this year. He, he led at Quail Hollow a couple of weeks ago, the first round, but he fell off, um, missed a ton of cuts. He hasn't had a top 10, hasn't had a top 10 in a major since 2016. Um, that's, you know, so the 200 to one odds were, um, they were they were well earned. I mean, it was legit, and that's that's how unlikely uh, it was. And I, I did I wanted to look at this. I, I didn't go back and look at the pre tournament odds, but I wanted to see who who else was in that range. And I, I might have to look that up uh, later on. But um, Mickelson wins, and, and and part of the story, Mark, is him taking down the guy that is is the guy in major tournaments the last five years, Brooks Kepka. Um, what was your take on Brooks? Um, obviously not his A game, obviously probably not hundred percent healthy. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of just some, some weird stuff out of Brooks that we don't normally see in majors. Yeah. I thought, you know, that's why it seemed to me, um, that if, if anybody was suffering from a lack of focus on Sunday, it was Brooks Kepka. I mean, looking at, miss after miss inside of inside of six seven you know some some misses as close as three feet you know i felt like he just did some things that were so unbrooks kepka like that told me he wasn't in the best mental mental state yesterday i think you know in the post round we we discussed a little last night and we might might going forward uh some of the comments he made it was just it seemed like he was looking for um looking for an excuse somehow uh you know i i don't know if i don't know if the if mickelson's pace uh you know sort of took him out of his element but it seemed almost disinterested now of course he makes the two birdies you know come down the stretch to sort of make it interesting on 18t but i thought uh with the number of loose shots he did hit um again you, you don't want to say that someone was disinterested but it was like 
something seemed off with with Brooks and and his focus. I mean, this is everything pointed as you said. You know, you you had to be feeling great about your life, but you know, after the first hole, Phil mm-hmm. Phil makes the bogey and Brooks buries the putt, and it's like, okay, here we go. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a slow, painful day for for Phil, and we're gonna watch this lead dwindle. And um, but man, it was it was almost like the veteran presence. You know, it was kind of nice to see. Um, you know, I, I, I just found it interesting that, you know, in, in the day and age of, of these phenomenal athletes, it's, it takes the, the 50 year old vet that, that kind of stares him down eye to eye and, and beats him at his own game on the longest golf course to ever host a major championship. So, um, yeah. you know, I just, I just felt like Brooks was kind of out of, out of the zone, out of, out of his element a little bit. And it was so foreign because he's been. I saw a stat on Golf Channel today. Major since 2017, Kepka's leading. Kepka's 82 under par, and, and I think the next closest player is 25 under. So, uh, you know, it's just it starts with with two double bogeys on on par fives yesterday. Uh, things that things that you just do not see. Yeah, the par five play really. I mean, double two, uh, bogeyed seven. That's uh, right. And then I think he bogeyed 11 as well um, before he, he made a birdie on, on 16. But, yeah, I got some takes on Brooks. Um, so, number one, I, uh, the guys from No Laying Up uh, Saturday night, they were talking about, about Brooks. Um, first of all, of course, it's a positive thing that he's, he's the guy that constantly shows up in majors no matter what his form is going into that major, no matter what it is that season. He's, he's just the big game hunter. He's he, no matter what he's, you know, he's the guy that we weren't worried to be right now. We want Roy to be in position to win. And Brooks is the guy, no matter what, he's always in position. Um, now I will say since he won the 2019 PGA at Beth page over DJ, um, he's been in position a few times and, uh, it, you know, it's starting to it's starting to go the other way on some Sundays. We saw it with the uh, 2020. P- I guess we saw it with the 2019 U.S. Open with Woodland down the back nine. Woodland takes him down. Um, the 2020 PGA where Morikawa won last year. He's in position going into 50. You know, after 54 holes, he basically takes a blowtorch to everyone in front of him in, in the in the press the press room Saturday night, and you know basically declares that he's going to win without saying it. And, and shoot, I think shoot 75, 76. Um, and then yesterday, another a golden opportunity to get his fifth major um, and really make a run. I, I legit run at double digits. I was going to, you know, put that on. A, I was already thinking, you know, we're going to talk about Brooks getting the double digit majors, you know, um, tonight if, if Brooks had won, but of course it went the other way. So, you know, it, he, of course, you put yourself in your, you put yourself in position enough. You're going to win some. You're going to lose some. And now we're starting to see some of these not go his way. And then my my last thing on Brooks is, um, and I've talked a lot this year that um, he's just he's kind of a too too cool for school guy. You know, he doesn't. You know, he's always talking about golf not being cool. And you know, I think he sees himself as an athlete and not necessarily a golfer. Um, yeah. You know, he's kind of just, he's just kind of an asshole to the media. Um, You know, there was a amazing shot he hit on Friday. I think you know which one I'm talking about. Uh, I think 
I think it was on seven where it's basically hidden from a, from a bush and he, he, he gets it onto 30 feet for Eagle and makes it. He's asked about it afterward and you know, how difficult of a shot that was. And he's like, it was in a bush. Don't, you know, can't you see how hard that was, you know? Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just some of his, some of his responses. I'm like, your, your, your likability is never going to increase. And, and maybe, yeah. maybe he truly doesn't care. Um, but he, I get, I guess in my mind, you know, maybe he's embraced kind of playing the villain role. Um, sure. And, and, and maybe that's just the way he'll go in the next 10 years. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if it's the, the goatee or what, but I feel like Brooks Koepka and Aaron Rodgers are like the same person. And I hate, mm-hmm. I, I, I think they're very, every Brooks Koepka, uh, media session when anytime he makes himself available, I feel like, I feel like him and Aaron Rodgers have a similar I never uh, thought of that. Yeah. complex going on right now. And, yeah. you know, uh, I think, I think it's a little bit of poetic justice, as you said. I mean, the, the guy wants everybody to know how easy it is for him to win majors and how tough it is for everyone else. And now it's like, hey, man, <laughs> we're still playing against the best in the world. And, and even though you think there's only three or four people that can stare you down and play with you, dude, you're wrong. Like 50 year old Phil Mickelson just kicked your ass, you know, like <laughs> looked you eye to eye, stared you down and outplayed you, dude. Like it's, it's tougher than it looks. And, and I think again, like you said, I, I don't think there's any question he has, um, you know, sort of, uh, taken on this villain role. You know, he, he doesn't need to be liked by everyone. Um, but he's 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 not making it hard to to root against him. I mean, I've I've just never, I've never liked uh, you know. Hey, being self assured, it's a great thing to have, and it's and it's imperative that you have that, especially on the PGA Tour. But you know, if you look at some of the other great players of our generation, I mean, guys are confident in their abilities, but they can do it without going into the press center and telling everybody how easy the game is and how there's literally four guys I need to beat. like, nope, these fields are deeper than they've ever been. I mean, look at, look, you have two club professionals make the cut. Look at some of the names that missed the cut. So we're, we're not playing uh, the game that I think that Brooks Kepka thinks they're playing. I mean, obviously, and look, it's hard to, I'm not going to sit here and argue against him. I mean, the guy has earned the right to, to say some, some crazy stuff, but you know, it's it's sort of a nice reality check for Brooks that, hey, yeah, man, you've been stared down now a few times. You're showing some chinks in the armor. Uh, you know, you better, uh, you know, almost take it a little bit more seriously. You're going to have to work harder, dude. Yeah, which, which by the way, you know, he, he made that claim that he only practices before majors. Um, you know, that's such, that's such just, I mean, it's such craziness because you know that's not, it's not the case. So just don't, just don't say that. I mean, yeah. we, we know, we know you're grinding your butt off to get, to get to this point. And you know, why downplay it? Uh, uh, Brooks is an interesting dude. Um, not, not, not a huge fan of his and uh, definitely wasn't a huge fan of what Nike put him in this week. That was a, that was a real tough scene um, by Nike. Um, once again, um, Mark, I, I, I put, I, I, on our text last night, I put down uh, Louis Oosthuizen. Do we care? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, he cares. I don't know if he cares. By the way, yeah, you know, it, it was. It, I, I liked Louis 
um, especially heading into uh, heading into heading into the weekend. I thought this guy, he seems also again not not a guy that's going to take over and win multiple major championships. But this guy puts himself on the leaderboard and has consistently now for the better part of the last ten years. Like he works his way into contention, and I think he's I think he's just the next version of Lee Westwood. I mean, obviously now Louis got Louis got his major championships, so you know all all credit there. But uh, no, we we really don't care. Like like he's gonna he's gonna be always be a nice player, and uh, you know there's there's nothing wrong with being a, a nice player. I mean he's world class, but uh, no, I just I just don't think there's uh, I don't think there's much there with Louis, and even. Even if Louis wins, you know, I don't think it really does anything for the game. I, th- I think it's great when, you know, we have a have a day like yesterday when, you know, you put on SportsCenter or ESPN.com, the first four articles, you know, are on Phil Mickelson and on the game of golf. You know, if a guy like a Louis Ustazen wins, I mean, it doesn't really give the boost to the game that I think we, we need. Um, I thought Louis should have won. Actually, um, I thought he putted incredibly poor uh, the whole weekend and was still right there. Which, by the way, Mark, we, we, we know how beautiful his golf swing is. I mean, arguably him and Adam Scott, you know, maybe the best swings on tour. I mean, if you want to throw a couple more guys in there, I wouldn't argue. Um, Louis also first in strokes game putting on the year. So how does this guy lose any tournaments? I mean, with that golf swing, and if you're statistically the top putter on tour, how do you lose anything? <laughs> it's a great question. I mean, again, they, I, I, I guess I don't. It's sort of a, uh, might be one of those statistical anomalies. I mean, how, yeah. you're, you're right. Every, every sign points that, that this guy should win. Uh, but, that's that's why they play the game, for lack of a better term. You know, it's like, dude, just get it done. I I, I had some, um, I don't know, I had some Tony Finau vibes watching him yesterday. Um, and, and I know they're they're much different players with similar records, kind of, but you know, also a lot different with Louis having the major. But there was n- never a point where I felt like Ustazen was going to win the tournament. And, and that's where Finau lives. He gets into that position constantly and finds a way to not win. And I just, I had a feeling Louis was, was not going to, you know, he was there the whole weekend, but I knew he wasn't going to win. Um, five runner up finishes in majors. Um, yeah, it's, it's, he's had an incredible career. I just don't, I just don't get the sense that he is all that worried about it. He'll make his half million dollars that he made from this finish and, you know, go buy a new tractor. And we know he, he loves to drive a tractor and he'll go do that. And, you know, he'll just be on his way. Um, you, you know, I, I think, uh, the, another name you, you haven't brought up yet, but two guys I live bet yesterday morning, was uh, thankfully Phil Mickelson being one, and the other was Kevin Streelman. I don't know. I was, if I was waiting any. for that. <laughs> Streelman, I I don't know how many. Um, you know, I don't know how wise it was. It was a modest bet, but at the same time, I had a. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, a little bit like like Watson in '09, and at the time, Stuart Sink. It was almost like a, uh, like a letdown win, and I thought yesterday would have had a letdown like if if Kepka if Kepka doesn't close the deal and Mickelson blows up I just felt like Kevin Stroman could have been the guy 
that was the last man standing and get that uh, get that major. But I mean, Strelman's a good player. I mean, obviously he's a guy that, you know, is going to be in contention yeah, once every year and something. And, uh, but, but yeah, Strelman, I, I was feeling, uh, some, some Strelman vibes. <laughs> Can you imagine how pissed off everyone would have been if Strelman <laughs> maybe beats Brooks and Mickelson. And I mean, that, that would have been a real downer. What, um, what do you think was in Brooks? Did how what did Brooks put Streelman's chances yesterday morning? Was was that like less than one percent chance of a Kevin Streelman win in Brooks Kepka's mind? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm certain that before the week, you know, when Brooks <laughs> lays out the ten guys he has to be, that wasn't Kevin Streelman wasn't one of those guys. <laughs> by the way, did you see after the round, Streelman got totally stiffed by Mickelson? Um, going when he was going to sign his card you know everyone was congratulating him of course of course we saw you know fowler doing his usual thing and rom streelman's up there by the practice screen and he's you know mickelson turns around and streelman's there and he totally bypasses streelman to hug another dude and streelman's just left there hanging i felt so bad for him he's just so awkward i'm like you're kevin streelman and mickelson you know just totally ignored you just it was a it was just a tough look there um Uh, I just want to talk for 30 seconds about Ricky Fowler, you know, with the special exemption. Uh, He had a putt on 18 to get into the Masters next year, and he missed it. Of course, we didn't see it until about 10 minutes later on CBS. But uh, top 10 for Rick uh, on an extremely difficult golf course. Uh, I'm hoping this is a sign of something positive for him. Yeah, no doubt. I'm the same way. I think, you know, while we just – talked for five minutes on why we don't like Brooks Kepka. I think Ricky is a likable, uh, is a likable player. And I think, you know, I, I, I certainly hope Ricky can, can draw, draw on this good form and, and sort of parlay it into a good finish next month at Tory. but we'll see. I mean, he's, he's, I, I guess, you know, I, I, I forgot how far down he has dropped. I mean, he's still outside the top hundred in the world and, yeah. You know, um, you know, it would have been nice to to see uh, him make the putt and obviously finish the top five and get into the Masters next year. And, you know, probably would have taken a little bit of internal pressure off of himself had he made that putt. But, yeah. but look, I think, uh, like you said, doing it on arguably the toughest golf course they'll play all year, I think I think it has to, you know, provide a huge confidence booster to uh, to him. And um you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm anxious for uh, I'm anxious for the U.S. Open because that's again a, a big golf course that uh, you know if he can if he can putt well around, you know he can he can afford a, a loose swing here or there and, and still be in the hunt. So yeah, hopefully hopefully gets it going. Well, Eric, I I don't know if he's going to be in the Open though because he's got to get in the top sixty very uh, fairly soon before the cutoff, and he's still. Uh, yeah, I think I, he's one of two. Yeah, he's still. Yeah, I was gonna say right around a hundred. So I, he might. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to make it through uh, qualifying, um, most likely, unless something great happens That's- at the m- memorial. Uh, so hopefully. Um, no. Yeah. Go ahead. No. Oh. No. I was just gonna ask. I, I. I should know this. So, had Phil already accepted the special invitation for the USGA? Or they can. Could they rescind that? possibly because he's qualified now and, and reallocate that spot, maybe give it to Rick. 
I was under the assumption that he he had already accepted it. Um, I don't okay. know if they could just they can transfer it to Fowler. I don't know how that works, but uh, yeah, it'd be nice if they just you know saw how well that Fowler played this week and yeah. just gave it to him. Um, Spieth never quite got it going. Um, hit the ball really well, especially on Saturday. Um, he he you know he shot a decent number, but I think it could have been two or three lower, and just seemed like putting. Just like the Masters, he's hitting it well enough, and now putting is letting him down in majors, and that's kind of a turn from what we would normally expect from Jordan. Yeah, I I think, you know, if as long as he continues to hit it well, I don't think you're going to see him, you know, fall fall back off the map. I, I think Jordan's back. I think if he can keep the ball striking, you know, consistent week in, week out, you know, the putter – in my opinion, I think the putter's going to come and go. And, you know, I think if he can continue to, to strike the ball well enough, um, you know, put the ball in play off the tee, I think he's going to find, you know, he's going to have more opportunities and more opportunities soon to be in contention and, and close one out. I, I don't, I don't look, uh, I don't look too deeply into the, the, the putting uh, woes and, you know, that's, that's just my take, but, you know, if he can, if he can, I mean, obviously he's doing something right. I think he's found the confidence he, he needs to have in his full swing to, to compete and contend. So I don't look too much into it. You know, I think like you said, it was, it was similar to, uh, to Augusta national, but we'll, uh, we'll see what the next couple months bring. I think he's going to be a guy that rounds into form, you know, throughout the rest of the year and, you know, look for him to make an impact on the, on the, uh, Ryder cup team later in the fall. Uh, definitely, definitely want to talk about the Ryder Cup in a second. Um, I do love Spieth for the Open this year at St. George's. I think that's a great fit for him. I don't, I don't really like him at Torrey at all. I think it's a huge ballpark. Um, you know, driving is a uh, premium there, and I just don't, I don't love the fit there. But I think he could be really live at the Open. Um, <clears throat> Mark, next to Rory and JT, I have uh, what the fuck, respectfully, guys. Uh, Rory, um, God, that's a letdown once again. Yeah. I mean, he had some interesting comments. I read an article today on, you know, somebody asked him about how his game was, was trending up and he's like, you know, no quail hollow. You, you look back at the Wells Fargo and yes, he breaks the 18 month drought and, and all is well in Rory land. But I think he was pretty, again, spoke with some good candor and he said, look, I still, have things to clean up. Like I'm not back to where I need to be. I think Quill Hollow provided, you know, it was a good reminder. And I think it, it obviously, I mean, bumped Rory up to the betting favorite, you know, headed into Kiowa and obviously his past uh, win there in 2012, you know, played, played a strong role in that. But yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a disappointment. I mean, I, th- I think it's, it's one of those things where, as as golf fans, you know, it is so week to week, day to day and round to round. And I think that's what makes, you know, these guys so impressive is the fact that, you know, you you could have the largest odds on betting favorite. You could have a guy that's in legitimately perfect form heading into an event. But if there's a little bit of change in rhythm or, you know, if he misses a couple putts that that should have gone in, I mean, rounds and tournaments can hinge on, on the smallest little things. And I just think that proves how hard it is to, to win out there. I mean, I wouldn't be 
shocked if Rory plays his way into contention at, at Tory next month. Um, and I don't think anybody would be, but at the same time, you know, there is a uh, sort of a randomness to this game that makes it so hard to predict and, uh, you know, see who's going to play well and who doesn't. I, I'm wondering with Rory, are we to a point where this is a mental block? Um, he, he got off to a, a, a bad start Thursday, bogey, uh, bogey off a of 10. Um, I think he doubled one on Friday. Um, he's just now become a very slow starter in majors. And we saw it, uh, you know, back at Port Rush a couple of years ago when he basically lost the entire tournament on the first hole. Um, I'm just wondering if he's thinking too hard or trying too hard um, to make it happen too early when, you know, most majors, you just can't play yourself out of it early, which is traditionally what he has done the last few years. Um, it's, it's frustrating as a guy that I've really come around in Rory. I like him. I think he's a great interview. He's just seems like a good dude to hang out with. Um, so I, I really want to see him just position himself to get in a major, uh, major contention. Maybe the last two here, we'll, we'll see him do that. And then the other guy, JT, who, you know, the knock against him is, man, this guy wins a lot of golf tournaments, but he's just, I can't really remember the last time he's been in major contention. It just doesn't happen very often. And I think he's, he has said that himself. Now, of course he won the players this year, but uh, you know, I, I'd like to see him also do the same and just show up and be in contention on a Sunday in a major. Yeah. I think, I think you and a lot of other, a lot of other golf fans. I mean, he, again has has uh every every tool but yeah there there might be i mean there might be a trend obviously developing here with justin thomas i think justin thomas will continue to be one of the uh the stereotypical streaky players i think when justin thomas gets it going i think he can win um you know three four times in a year and i think by default he's going to have years where you know, he, he's always, he's a guy that, that could potentially win, you know, once a year for, for 10 years. But, um, I just, I can't put my finger on it with JT. I think obviously he hits it, he drives it well, but, um, there's just something lacking and, you know, similar to, um, you know, I think if we if we look and, and look at the recipe that Phil used to get it done yesterday, I think some of these younger guys can draw on that and realize how, you know, I don't just want to say, oh, you got to be mentally in it, but I think they can really, um, you know, get some added confidence for realizing how important focus is. And, you know, like you mentioned with Rory starting at Portrush when he, what did he, whatever, he made seven a few years ago on, on number one and went on to shoot whatever. And he came back the second day, but that's beyond the point. I just think that <laughs> a guy like a guy like JT, a guy like Rory McIlroy, I think if they can put themselves into a more stable mental place, uh, you know, I think, I think they're, it's only going to be helpful for their, uh, for their causes going forward. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just need to see more from those two guys, uh, in the last two majors. Um, CBS versus ESPN. Um, I, I was I was amazed by ESPN Plus. I know I know it's a subscription product. I get that, but I thought the content was top notch. It felt 
important, felt like a major. I love Scott Van Pelt. I think he might be my favorite, you know, sports commentator, personality, whatever you want to call him. I think he's awesome. Um, and then by contrast, you have CBS, who I think they have really upped their game this year on some of the visuals. The drone shots are incredible. And by the way, my favorite my favorite Mickelson moment of the weekend was him worried about the drone on Saturday. Um, you know, hitting the drone that was that was awesome. Um, but the the drone shots have been incredible, and they were this weekend, um, especially with an oceanside course like this. Um, so so props to them on that. But I felt like I watched three guys yesterday. I felt like I watched Phil Brooks and, and Oosthuizen. And, you know, we had Ricky running up the leaderboard in the back nine, you know, a guy that really has, you know, a lot of fans, you know, didn't see that putt on 18 until at least 10 minutes until he was done. Um, guys like Cantley were making a run. Never saw Shane Lowry. Saw very little Patty Harrington. Um, so my complaint was not enough golf shots, too much focus on the new use of the, uh, the the new cameras that they're using to you know to follow guys with the tee box. A lot of Phil Mickelson walking, um, so I was a little disappointed by by the coverage and of course just a lot of commercials. But ESPN, awesome CBS, uh, man, I'm still I'm still going to be bitching about them for a while. Yeah, I, I think you know. I, I, I echo your sentiments. I thought ESPN plus coverage was great. Um, you know, I had it on in the background for, you know, each, each morning, Thursday through Sunday. And, uh, they, they did do a great job. And, and one thing that you had mentioned there that, that you hit right on the head was how it made it feel like it was an important event that you needed to tune in. I love the sports center at the PGA championship. Um, you know, I thought that was fantastic all week. You know, with with the CBS coverage, you know, I I think I'm going to break from a golf traditionalist standpoint here and say I'm really okay with only seeing those three players. You know, I think okay. I, I I know that's I know that's probably not a popular opinion, but I think when there's a guy like Phil Mickelson that is the quote unquote needle, like you you are watching the needle at all times, and, and to be honest with you. I thought it was interesting uh, really all weekend how I, I kind of liked some of the shots walking from, from green to the next tee and listen to all the crowds and looking at the thumbs that were flying up. And, you know, everybody said there was one guy, I think it was Saturday. Somebody yelled, activate them. You know, they, they told him to activate the calves. Like the guy is, is entertaining. Like no matter what he's doing, you never know what he's going to say. Uh, so I didn't really have a problem with that. I didn't need to see, uh, Kevin Strillman. And yeah, while Ricky was making a run, you know, if it, I, I think it was pretty evident, although it was touch and go for a while, you knew there were about three players that were going to be there coming down the stretch. So I yeah. think, I think that's, if, that's if we show, if they show too many players from throughout the field, I think it's really, really hard to tell a story and get people invested. So I would rather see you know, how we got there. I mean, we literally watched every shot Phil Mickelson hit, you know, whether it was live or not, different story. But I loved the ruling. Um, I loved the ruling yesterday on, oh gosh, what, what was the whole, when somebody in the gallery picked up his ball and the official came over and I locked the interaction uh, with the gallery. Like to me, yeah. Yeah. to me, that's, that's the cool stuff. And I'd rather see that than a cutaway shot to a guy in 33rd place that just hit it to two feet on 17. 
That's fair. That's <clears> fair. <throat> I mean, we, we could have, we could definitely could have saw more of Kevin Streelman and you could have, you know, been anxiously watching to see how your bet played out. But uh, no, that's, I get that. I get that. And I, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe it's just CBS as a whole, not so much this event, because I'm sure this event will, is going to kill in the ratings. Um, obviously um, that's just a, a constant CBS, I guess, from event to event that I've seen. Um I've only got a couple more notes here, Mark. Uh, I want to I want to end on the Ryder Cup, but before we got go to that, uh, Eric Van Royen on uh, Friday. Um, I don't I don't know if any of the listeners have seen that, but you need to check that out. Um, you haven't seen a tantrum like that on the golf course, and uh, well, I can't really remember when. Um, I mean, he just obliterated those tee markers, uh, almost hit Matt Wallace's caddy. Um, have you ever done anything like that on the golf course? You know. Uh, in high school, I about got disqualified from a nine hole dual match for, for throwing a club into the water on the ninth hole at autumn Ridge. So outside of that, I have tried to limit my outbursts. I have realized that, uh, that, you know, while, while everybody plays different styles of golf and I think everybody's in their own little unique bubble and everyone has their space and where they think they play the best. I can honestly say I've never. Uh, I've never obliterated a T marker. Have I, have I somewhat aggressively tapped one with the driver? Yes, but I haven't taken a full swing, uprooted it from the ground and nearly impaled Matt Wallace's caddy. So, um, <laughs> you know, I thought it was funny. There was a video that was circulating, uh, Twitter on how after the round, when Wallace went to, or Eric Van Royen went to shake Matt Wallace's caddy's hand he turned and, and rightfully so gave him the, the cold shoulder. So it was, uh, it was very aggressive. And I can't remember yesterday, there was a good out outburst. Um, they were covering the third hole, I believe this drivable par four. And uh, one player in particular was going back and forth there and, and hit a chip and he just slammed his bag and uh, not quite to the, to the Van Royen level, but uh yeah, it was it was wild, and it really shows you that uh, <laughs> these guys are are fragile. I mean, ha- what about you? Have you ever done anything like that? Have you ever uh, mm. taken out golf course property? No, um, definitely not. Um, I, I think the worst I did as well was in high school. I I, uh, I remember playing a high school tournament my senior year. We had new new golf bags and it was the very first event. And I, I'm pretty sure I, I chunked a chip and I just, I just went to town on my golf bag with, you know, with my wedge and, uh, my coach took it from me, uh, for like three events and gave me like the, you know, the shittiest golf bag we had available, one of the old <laughs> ones. And it was, it was deserved. Um, no, I, you know, I, I appreciate the Henrik Stensons of the world who just cleanly snap that thing in two um, with their knee. I've never done that. I kind of want to, but I, I haven't gotten that upset over the last few years. You know, maybe the older you get, but, you know, Stenson's still in his 40s and he's still breaking clubs. He just broke one this weekend, but it was so seamlessly done. I, you know, full respect to him. Um, but EVR, that was, uh, that was unlike anything I have seen. Um, uh, I wanted to talk about Ryder Cup. Um, I love the Ryder Cup. Um, I can't wait for it once again, uh, whistling straights, which has a lot of parallels, obviously, uh, to, uh, the ocean course in Kiowa. Um, you know, the top six from the U S are pretty well 
set. I think there's there's a nice gap in the points um, when you look at uh, DJ uh, at the top, Bryson, JT, Brooks, Morikawa, and Xander. There's a nice gap between them and the guy in seventh, who is Patrick Reed. Um, so if we assume those top six are definitely going to be on the team, you know, there's six captains picks. Um, did Phil just play his way on the Ryder Cup team? I hope so. You know, I, I really do. And I think, I think, you know, it's tough. I mean, I, I, I hope so just because Phil, Phil is a Ryder Cup. I mean, you turn on the Ryder Cup, you expect to see Mickelson out there. And I think with, you know, it'll just be interesting to see what Steve Stricker decides to do. I mean, we, we could we could talk about this on end and unless you're in that team room or on these calls with him and the vice captains you know we really don't know which way they are going um i I think a lot will depend on you know phil's recent form right give me one second phil do you still hear me okay yeah you muted yourself you're good okay um no i just think we have to i think we have to see what his form looks like, you know, at, at the time picks are being made, you know, I mean, Phil's a guy that I don't see him, uh, you know, falling, falling off the world in the next four months. So I don't think it'd be crazy to, to leave him, you know, off the team. I think it, I mean, you know, I think, I think we have to look at the Ryder cup a little bit differently. Are the, are, do you follow the points list? I mean, obviously some, some people are more prone to say, we'll just take seven through, you know, seven through 12 and, and see what happens. But that's I a mistake. Like it, it's a mistake to stay with the points. Absolutely. Uh, the points. I mean, you could have a guy that tell me who they are right now. Do you have, do you have the list in front of you? Could you tell me? I do. Seven, seven yeah. through 12. Yeah. And my problem real quick before I break, I mean, you could have a guy that's in the top six, the whole season, or, or I guess for a while. And then, you know, the last couple of months fall out of the top six and go seven to 12. And the recent form is just, you know, maybe not, not the greatest, but um, we have Pat Reed at seven, Finau, Berger, Simpson, Spieth. And then at 12, we have uh, my guy, Billy Ho. Uh, uh, you know, to me, Mark, so back to Mickelson, if we're talking about entertainment, I, I want Mickelson on the team. I do. If we're talking about golf, I, I don't. I don't really want him on this team. I, I want. I want youth. I want to look to the future. I, I want Scotty Scheffler's. I want uh, Will Zalatoris, Sam Burns. I want those guys on my team. And I have enough veterans. If I select Spieth and Finau, and you know whether I don't think Reed is going to make this team unless he qualifies. I don't know about you. No, I. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think after, you know, you look that this guy is, um, you know, his, his antics. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I think if Tiger Woods has anything to do with that team or any input, I think Tiger is going to give, give uh, Steve Stricker kind of a, a boat of confidence saying, hey, yeah, this guy needs to be on the team. But I mean, I, I, I agree with you in the sense that I don't just like taking the chalk. I mean, looking at, looking at those names seven through 12 right now, it seems very, um, very vanilla on, you know, the typical American Ryder cup team that, that finds a way to lose these team events. Um, so no, I, I, I do, I do like, you know, getting an influx of, of young, 
young up and coming talent. I love Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, but you know, I, I think we have to kind of, um, you know, I don't want to contradict what I just said. I, I think it's not out of the realm of possibility. Phil does work his way into a captain's pick position. Would I like to see it? Yeah, I kind of would. Um, but I'm telling you, to your point, I think that some of these young guys, uh, need to have an opportunity and we really don't know how they're going to perform until they, until they get that opportunity. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, Hey, take a, take a flyer on a guy that's, you know, 30th on the list. Um, you know, I, I, I remember one podcast I was on with you, Phil, I had mentioned something. I don't know how we got to talking about Joel Damon, but we did. And I said, I said, I think the future of Ryder cups, you know, I, I I'm not saying Joel Damon's the answer, but, I am saying that you need to give these young guys an opportunity that, I mean, the top six to qualify in points, we are talking the elite of the elite, right? So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with Phil on that team. I think Phil is on that team, but, uh, I'm not saying that's the best thing, uh, for an American victory. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to give you the six picks right here, um, which, by the way, uh, I got a, a Mark hot take. I think it should just be 12 captain's picks. Just give me, just give me the twelve. Just let the captain pick the team. Um, uh, I, I think you got to take Spieth, Fino, uh, uh, Berger, Cantley, Scheffler, and Zalatoris. I don't know how you leave Will Zalatoris off this team. This guy is incredible. He's the safest bet in golf right now. Uh, majors in the last three top ten or top tens in the last three majors. Um, of course, he's still not a member of the PGA Tour. Um, by the way, if he was, he'd be 17th in the FedEx Cup points this year. Um, but I, that, that that would be my six. Um, as of now, you know, in two months, it might be it might be way different. Mickelson might continue this run, and, and maybe I'll say he's a legitimate player for the team. But I, I don't I don't know if I want to just take one week, um, you know, uh, an amazing week, and, and give him a spot just based on that. I'm not sure I want to do that uh, over guys that have been playing consistently. Um, we'll see how it turns out. Uh, well, one way to go, obviously. Um, but, uh, can't wait to see how it plays out. Uh, anything else for you, Mark on the PGA or, um, anybody we didn't mention this, you know, in this podcast? No, I, I, I don't really have, have anything else. I think, um, I, th- I think Abe answers time is coming. He, mm-hmm. he made a little run against Sunday. I think, I think he's a gamer, but, uh, you know, I thought Kiowa was, was a great golf course. I thought it was a, a fair test. Um, you know, I think it was a little bit overplayed leading into the tournament, how guys were potentially going to be hitting drivers on par threes. And, uh, you know, I, I think that was a little bit of just hype building up to, to the golf course and how it could play close to 8,000 yards. I thought it was a very fair test. Um, you know, I, I think the best player this week was identified, and that was Phil Mickelson. Yeah, uh, no, I thought Kiwa looked great. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the three events they've had there the last 30 years, uh, you know, the Ryder Cup, which in 91, which was incredible, uh, you know, 2012, Rory winning there and now Mickelson. So uh, more Kiwa uh, at the PGA. And by the way, I think the PGA should, this should be their thing. Um, they should, you know, go to places. I guess, of course, the infrastructure, of course, is is a huge piece to this, but 
go to courses like this, go that aren't, you know, don't host majors normally. Um, and, and Kiowa definitely qualifies as one of those places, but uh, you know, the U S open traditionally has their kind of places, the Oakmonts, the Wingfoots of the world. Um, PGA, I think needs to create a niche and, and go to these type of courses that, you know, we don't see that often. And uh, you know, I think, I think it would kind of be, you know, give more of an identity, I guess, is what I, my point is. Um, all right, Mark, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this was a lot of fun to break down Mickelson's historic win, and I couldn't think of anyone else better to put it in perspective than you. So appreciate your thoughts tonight. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, we will do a separate uh, picks podcast for the Charles Schwab. It'll be just myself. Uh, if you want to fade all my picks going forward, that is totally fine. Hasn't been good lately, but we'll give them out regardless. Your best bet on Instagram, your best bet on Facebook. Everyone, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time.